On this frigid morning, uh, may these words by Martin Luther help us to focus our thoughts. There are a couple of verses from the familiar Christmas hymn, From Heaven Above. Welcome to earth, O noble guest, through whom this sinful world is blessed. You turned not from our needs away. How can our thanks such love repay. Ah, dearest Jesus, holy child, prepare a bed, soft undefiled, a quiet chamber in my heart that you and I may never part. It's funny how those words have stuck with me through the years. I remember that was my Christmas piece, when I was probably not much older than Maria, maybe I was in kindergarten, and that verse has stuck with me. Uh, and that is our prayer during this Christmas season. In Roman mythology, Janus is regarded as the god of all beginnings. He is pictured on Roman coins of that era as having two faces, one looking forward and one looking backward. Given that depiction, the month of January was named after him. And to this day, we, as we approach a new year, we still do some looking both forwards and backwards. Perhaps you have done some of that this year, maybe in reading some Christmas letters from uh, friends or relatives, and maybe even thinking of some New Year's resolutions for 2018. In our text today, the writer of the fourth gospel uses both hindsight and foresight to direct the reader, much as Jenny was saying with the flashlight. To do this, John the Baptist appears on the scene. In our traditional lectionary, we would have encountered John a couple weeks ago during Advent 3. But in the new narrative lectionary, he appears here after Christmas. Regardless of where he pops up, the role of the Baptist serves to focus our attention as this gospel writer begins to tell his story. Our lesson tells us that a, a group of Jewish leaders approached John one day with the question, who are you? That's a fair question. Ask, they were asking, what are your credentials? He responded first by saying who he was not. He was not the Messiah. Also, he was neither Elijah, come back to this earth, nor was he a prophet. All of these figures had been promised in Old Testament prophecy, and they reflected a variety of Jewish expectations concerning the coming Messiah. These Jewish leaders, however, were persistent. They wouldn't take a negative. They wouldn't take a no for an answer. Again, they asked, who are you? 
This time, John responded by quoting the prophet Isaiah. He said, he was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. Now, if you look at that passage in Isaiah chapter 40, the original intent of, of the deutero Isaiah writer was to proclaim that God was about to act to bring his people out of uh, Babylon, out of exile. By quoting that verse, John's intent was essentially the same. God was about to act again to save his people. But that answer still didn't satisfy these Jewish leaders. They follow up with yet another question. They say, if you are neither the Messiah nor Elijah, why are you baptizing? John responded, but he responded by minimizing his role as a baptizer. And instead, he diverted their attention to someone they did not know. That person was actually in their midst. And by comparison, John didn't even consider himself worthy to untie that man's sandals. It appeared that John had another opportunity the next day to answer this question a little more thoroughly. On that second day, Jesus appeared on the scene in this gospel for the first time. But he didn't say a word. He appears to have been a relatively unknown person at this point in his life. This, however, was John's moment to perform his primary role. He spelled out just who this Jesus was by proclaiming that he had two titles that belonged to him. First, Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. On hearing that, Jewish people would have thought of Passover lambs whose blood saved the households of their ancestors when they were brought out of slavery in Egypt. In case there was any doubt about whether this title really belonged to Jesus, the writer of this gospel would again allude to this image of the lamb in chapter 19. There he stated that Jesus was crucified about 12 noon. Now that sounds like a fact to you or me, but to a Jewish person of that day, that was the hour, the exact hour, when the Passover lambs were slaughtered on the day of preparation for Passover. Later that same day, the Jews got permission from Pilate to break the legs of those on the cross so they wouldn't remain there over Passover. The soldiers did so for the two on either side of Jesus, but when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, so there was no need to break his legs. And hence, like other Passover lambs, no bones in Jesus' body were broken. 
But how did John know that Jesus was this Lamb of God? He explained this was revealed to him when he saw the Spirit descend on Jesus like a dove and remain on him. Now, the Spirit and remaining or abiding in the Spirit are very key words in the Gospel of John. And the Gospel writer will develop them as he tells his story. But for now, it is important just for us to note that remaining denotes a close, intimate relationship between Jesus and the Spirit. However, the baptism Baptist isn't quite done with his testimony. He announces this Jesus has yet another title. Not only is he Lamb of God, he also is the Son of God. Now that is a traditional title for the Messiah. It connects the Messiah as the ideal Davidic king of Israel. This title in its shorter form, Son, is used frequently in John's Gospel account. And it shows an intimate relationship between the Father and the Son. So Jesus has a close, intimate relationship both with the Father and with the Spirit. At this point, the Baptist has fulfilled his role in a way that is an example for all of us. His witness enables people to come to Christ. This role of witness is a privilege of the highest rank. Like John, we also are called to witness the love shown to us in Christ. We reflect Christ's love to the people we meet in our daily lives. Sometimes we do this very well, but many times we fall short in our witness. Whatever the case, at any given moment, we need to recall that uh, the source of our power to witness. We re can reflect God's love because we have uh, been loved first by God. We know God has loved us simply by recalling history. That's what the Baptist was all about in reminding the Jewish leaders to remember how God had brought them out of slavery in Egypt and how he had again brought them out of exile in Babylon. In his day now, John was calling the people to trust that God would once again save them by this people, by this person, Jesus. The story of Jesus, the Lamb of God, and Son of the Father, is what continues to speak to us today and into the future. This incarnation of the Word made flesh is what saves us. The fourth Gospel writer has still to unpack his story, but he has laid the framework already by the mouth of his, the Baptist. That story of Jesus' death, life, and resurrection remains our power source to witness Christ's love to others. In my opening, I said that 
the new year is a time to look back as well as a time to gaze into the future. And we think of that on this New Year's Eve. Some of our best examples of God's love come from those who have gone before us. I cite two examples. For the first of these examples, we only have to travel back a few weeks in time. Some of you may have experienced this witness of faith with me. I'm referring to the powerful witness of faith Shirley Moeller left for us at her funeral. Some would call it a no-frills funeral. It was simple and to the point. There was no eulogy because Shirley didn't want one. Like John the Baptist, the message wasn't about her. Instead, the message was an expression of thanks for what God had done for her. She had pre-selected hymns like Great is Thy Faithfulness and scripture readings like Romans 8 where we're reminded nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. In each, in each piece of the service had been carefully crafted to drive home her beautiful witness. She thanked, praised, and trusted in her Savior and Lord. Not even death could rattle that trust. For the second example of trust in God, we need to travel back just a little over 100 years ago in time. I'm reminded of this incident because a 20th anniversary release of the movie Titanic is uh, coming soon if it's not already out. I recall the final scene in that movie. As the ship was sinking, the eight-member band led by Wallace Hartley played music to calm the other passengers who remained on board and were not going to be going, getting onto the limited number of lifeboats. At first, they, the band played some snappy dance music so the passengers wouldn't panic. Then, as the scene grew more dire, they switched to a hymn, which Hartley had wanted played at his funeral. The words of that familiar hymn go as follows. Nearer, my God, to thee, nearer to thee, even though it be a cross that raiseth me, Still, all my song shall be nearer, my God, to thee, nearer, my God, to thee, nearer to thee. Though, like the wanderer, the sun go down, darkness be over me, my rest a stone, yet in my dreams I'd be nearer, my God, to thee, nearer, my God, to thee nearer to thee. At this point, Paul's going to play just a short clip of that, and then I'll conclude with a few remarks.
Notice both in Shirley's witness and in the words of that hymn. Do either say, no ill will befall the faithful? No. Picture in the movie, too. Think of the couple laying on the bed and the mother soothing her two boys. What those witnesses say is that even when life seems at its darkness, they trust in the God who came down to live with them, to live and to die on this earth. They trusted in the Lamb of God. That is the message of the cross. Even as we contemplate the babe in the, Beth in the cradle in Bethlehem, that is the cross in the cradle. This same faith of Shirley and Wallace Hartley can empower us to live and share God's word as we live into 2018 and beyond 
under the shadow of the cross. God has been our help in the past and will continue to be our hope into the future. So let us sing with the Baptist, with Shirley, with Wallace Hartley, and all the cloud of witnesses who have gone before us. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Thanks be to God.